You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort is set to go on trial tomorrow in Virginia on banking and tax fraud charges. President Trump was sympathetic toward Manafort when speaking with Sean Hannity on Fox News earlier this month. Paul Manafort, who's, who really is a nice man, you look at what's going on with him, it, it's like Al Capone. 2005 tax case. Or a case that I guess hours. is very old. It, it's just a sad thing. It's yeah. a very sad thing for our country to see this. Joining us is Robert Mintz, a former federal prosecutor and a partner at McCarter in English. Bob, during a storm of tweets on Sunday, Trump went on the offensive against Mueller personally. He said in part, is Robert Mueller ever going to release his conflicts of interest with respect to President Trump, including the fact that we had a very nasty and contentious business relationship? The only thing we know, just a side note, about the allegations which Mueller has denied is that at Trump National Golf Club in Virginia, there was a dispute in fees according to Trump's people, but not according to Mueller's people. So why this uh, pretrial flutter? Well, it's hard to say exactly what's behind the uh, motivations for uh, going after Mueller at this point, although obviously there's been a steady drumbeat of criticism of the special prosecutor, both by the president and by uh, his legal team. I think one thing we can say for sure is that Judge Ellis, who is the trial judge who will be hearing this case, has made clear to both prosecutors and the defense that he is not going to tolerate the injection of any political issues into this trial, and he's not going to allow lawyers to stray into areas that he believes could prejudice the jury. So, for example, he's told the defense that they cannot attack the motive of prosecutors for bringing this case. He's admonished prosecutors not to tie uh, this case to Russian collusion because it's really not about Russian collusion, and prosecutors, in fact, have said that they will barely mention the word Russia if they mention it at all during this trial. Bob, given what you just said, that that this case really isn't about Russia, can you put it in context with the rest of the Mueller probe? What difference does this trial make for the purposes of that probe and for Donald Trump? Uh, That's a great question, Greg. I mean, I think the answer is, first of all, that 
Manafort's supporters would argue this case has absolutely nothing to do with Mueller's inquiry. And in fact, they filed a motion with the court to dismiss the case on that very basis, saying that the special prosecutor had exceeded his mandate in bringing these charges. Uh, at the end of the day, this case is about money that uh, Mr. Manafort allegedly earned in, in connection with work he had done over in politics in the Ukraine, and the government's case is that he failed to disclose many millions of dollars on his income taxes and, and then later committed bank fraud in connection with certain loans. The value of the case to the Mueller investigation is whether or not they can ultimately put enough pressure on Mr. Manafort to have him cooperate with them because he did serve as the head of the Trump campaign during a key moment during the election. And there's no question that Mueller and his team believe that he's got valuable information should they get him to agree to cooperate. Bob, we already know a lot about what the prosecutors are going to present, and they have 35 witnesses, they have 500 exhibits. Do you see any holes in the prosecution's case that Manafort's attorneys might be able to use? Well, so far, Manafort's defense team has done uh, more of a job attacking the process rather than the substance of these allegations. So as I mentioned a minute ago, they attacked prosecutors for overstepping their bounds by bringing this prosecution in the first place, but they've really not gone after the substance of this case. So it's a bit of an open question at this point as to what their strategy will be. It would seem that this is a very well-documented case based upon the evidence that we've seen so far that's been released in discovery, but obviously at the end of the day, prosecutors are going to have to prove that Mr. Manafort in intended to evade his taxes and that he specifically lied to bank officials in, in getting a loan. Uh, these are specific intent crimes, and prosecutors are going to intend to do that through these voluminous records and through the assistance of the testimony of Rick Gates, who was Manafort's right-hand man and who pled guilty last February and is now cooperating with the government against his former boss. Bob, this is potentially one of two criminal trials against Manafort. There's another one in federal court in, in D.C. Um, how would you compare the two cases? Is, is, are they totally separate? Is, is this one a dress rehearsal for the, for the second one? How do they interact with each other? Well, there is a fair amount of overlap. Uh, this case, as I mentioned, is really about tax evasion and bank fraud. The Virginia case, which will start in September at the, uh, after this case is concluded, uh, involves um, bank fraud as well, but also involves uh, him failing to, uh, Manafort failing to file uh, FBARs, which are declaring money that he has earned overseas, and failing to identify himself as a foreign agent. So they're similar, but they're different. And one of the real questions is why Manafort's team has elected to try these cases separately. Prosecutors had no choice but to bring certain charges in Virginia and certain charges in the District of Columbia. Typically, defense lawyers will want to consolidate those cases as they, as they can uh, in order to give the government only one shot at their client. Here, we're seeing Manafort's team allow the government to go after him twice and there's a question as to why they're doing that. that. That's always been my question, but I don't think we have any answers yet. Maybe we will later on. Thanks so much, Bob. As always, that's former federal prosecutor Robert Mintz. He's a partner at McCarter in English.
The board of CVS will be meeting today to discuss the future of CEO Leslie Moonves, who is accused of sexual harassment by six women in a New Yorker article. Author Ronan Farrow said that the women he interviewed reported a culture of harassment and retaliation at CBS. They also said that they were speaking out because they were afraid there was a broader culture of impunity across this company, which is something we heard from dozens of people. In the article, Moonves acknowledged there were times decades ago when he may have made some women uncomfortable by making advances, but said he never used his position to harm anyone's career. Joining us is Deborah Katz, founding partner at Katz, Marshall and Banks. Deborah, it seems that when there have been sexual harassment allegations made in the cases of other high-profile men in the media, such as Charlie Rose, Matt Lauer, they left their jobs almost immediately after the news reports. So is it likely that the board will ask Moonves to step down before a full investigation can be completed? Given these well-documented uh, allegations in the Faro article, it would be inconceivable to me that the board would not ask him to step down. This is a publicly traded company. The allegations are serious. The allegations of retaliation show uh, tremendous abuse of authority and power, and I can't see CBS doing anything other than asking him to step down. Deborah, if that's the case, what was the purpose of the the statement that CBS's independent directors put out uh, earlier saying that they plan to investigate and hire an outside law firm? Uh, Is that not an effort to uh, buy a little time to, to, to figure out exactly what's going on? Well, perhaps, but you can imagine that if he gets fired and there's not an investigation that's independent that's conducted, uh, he has a, a massive amount of severance that he would be claiming an entitlement to. The bottom line is that CBS needs to investigate this, and they need to understand how broad uh, the behavior is, how many people were affected by it, how many people were aware of the behavior, and whether uh, Moonves's conduct actually affected other divisions and the behavior of others allowing situations like, for example, uh, Charlie Rose and what we now know are serious allegations uh, in other divisions to to take place. So, Deborah, Ronan Farrow said the women he interviewed reported a culture of harassment and retaliation at CBS. When the allegations are this old, how do do you know whether that culture is continuing or not, and, and how do you investigate it? You investigate it by uh, speaking to people who have relevant information, companies that really want to get at the issue of culture and how pervasive uh, harassment and fears of retaliation are, actually can do things like conduct climate surveys and do focus groups. And once an independent investigator gets on board, there's going to be a list of people who are the appropriate people to talk to and they will have that list. Uh, There are pending EEOC charges against CBS, Uh, so those would be people to speak to. But uh, typically, investigators, in speaking to one woman who has been harassed, will say, speak to this other woman, and it goes on and on and on. And even though the allegations are old, the ones in the story, there are ones that were from the early 2000s, and my guess is uh, the behavior uh, continued. It typically doesn't end. Um, so the, the investigators have a lot of work to do, and they're not only looking at Moonves's behavior, but what happened with the structure at CVS? What 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 uh, structurally is is broken there that would not uh, allow people to come forward with allegations for fear of retaliation? Because that's what allows this broader culture of impunity.
Deborah, could you speak to Les Moonves' public stance as a supporter of the Me Too movement? Um, is, is Obviously, these are still just allegations at this point, but if these allegations are true, is that just rank hypocrisy on his part? Well, we see this again and again. We see this with Eric Schneiderman. We saw this with Harvey Weinstein. What people's public stance is is often quite different from their private behavior, and it's far worse than hypocrisy. In fact, it sometimes helps facilitate very predatory behavior when you're perceived as someone who's a champion of women. So, Deborah, the legal battle with Sherry Redstone, who wants to merge CBS with Viacom, has been portrayed as this Moonves versus Redstone. You know, how might that be affected by these by the allegations alone? Well, it seems to me that Redstone is in a much better position to say, as a majority uh, shareholder, we are not keeping him in this position. Uh, regardless of that ongoing legal battle, um, Moonves has has violated the trust of the company and, and shareholders, and she would certainly be within her rights to say enough is enough. And Deborah, what about the, the women who were allegedly uh, harassed and, and abused? Do they have some legal recourse here, or is everything going to be beyond the statute of limitations? I think that we don't know that yet. Certainly, allegations from 20 years ago are beyond the statute of limitations. Whether anyone has been affected within uh, the relevant statute of limitations, we need to wait and see. But I do understand that there are pending EEOC charges, and those would be uh, those would be uh, claims that can be pursued. I don't know who they're against. I just know that there are pending uh, charges with the EEOC. All right, just the start of this story. That's Deborah Katz of Katz, Marshall & Banks. Thanks, Deborah. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce.